Planet X Cinema is a pop-up movie theater showing righteous trash cinema. Each week on this show, the Hicks brothers meet to take suggestions for new movie titles from the Planet X faithful and turn them into brand new films. It's fake movies from the minds of madmen. Welcome to the Planet X Cinema Podcast. I am Drew Hicks. I am Drew Hicks's brother, Blair Hicks. Oh, you threw me off there. I thought you were going to introduce yourself as me. Uh, how the heck are you, Blair? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not too bad. Uh, I just got back to Austin from a, a little sojourn to San Antonio for Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. I'm nice. sorry, you're going to have to repeat all of that because I was too busy banging Sting and Shaggy's Don't Make Me Wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's my no God. joke. I, I, yesterday, no joke, got back to Austin and um, one of the first things that popped up in my Facebook uh, feed was a sponsored ad for Sting and Shaggy's new single. It's a banger, dude. You were totally right, dude. Not only are they touring, they're doing like morning TV shows. Like they're great. It's like a buddy cop film. The music's good though, dude. It's like this really down-tempo, chill reggae, like... It is so fresh. I would so go see it live. I would so go to that show. And it's got this whole, like, it's kind of fun. They have, like, this cool vibe that, like, Sting is the only cool dude. Like, Shaggy has taken Sting. Like, in the video, if you go watch the, like, Don't Make Me Wait, it's like they're in Jamaica, and it's like, oh, no, no, Sting's cool. He's here with me, Shaggy. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) They're, like, shooting pool and tricking motorcycles and stuff. It's great. And Sting, to his credit, and maybe I don't know anything about guitars. Fool still plays a Gibson SG. He like well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's all tricked out or something. But like he, do, I mean, he's a working man's electric guitar. He's properly a bass player. And one thing I love about him is that he, even in his solo career, still continues to play bass on all the songs. I'm yeah. like, good for you, man. Like, way yeah. not to be shitty, you know? Respect like, to that, yeah. Like, yeah, like <laughs> Phil Collins occasionally goes back behind the drum kit. Like, Sting's like, fuck it, I'm a bass player, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he goes back there and does, like, the, the beat from Abacab or whatever. <laughs> he's yeah. like, hey, I'm not saying he's a bad drummer. I'm just saying, you know, he's, he's lost his way, where Sting yeah. is like, I know what I do. I well, stand he, up here, I look good, and I got a big fucking bass guitar. Man, I thought you were joking. And, like, it is a great collaboration. I'm super into Sting and Sh- Like, yes, more of it. Like, what world? This is good. This is what the world needs right now. The world needs Sting and Shaggy to team up and write songs about love. <laughs> I got a crazy thing that is Shaggy-related to tell you. Okay. Um, so uh, we did Heatline Jamaica last week, which was yep. really fun. Yep. Uh, really proud of that one. And um, we put Shaggy in the movie. And when when you threw Shaggy out, I asked you, like, who is an action hero that's like a working man's Wesley Snipes? Oh, sure. Yeah, I remember this. I, it, I don't know action stars very well, especially from that time. And I, I didn't think we would get a Jamaican, but I was like, I would like to have an African-American in this role. Sure, yeah. I, while I was in San Antonio, I purchased for 37 cents a copy of the 98 made-for-TV movie Future Sport, starring mm. King Kane, Vanessa Williams, with a special appearance by Wesley Snipes. Yeah. In the film, I shit you not, Wesley Snipes does the worst Jamaican accent oh, God. start <laughs> to finish. All I'm saying is, not only was Shaggy the better choice, but we really dodged a bullet on that, because... If they had made that movie and put Wesley Snipes in it, that is accent work that was not even good enough for like extended cable 
1998. Um, also, crazy. speaking of the police, Stuart Copeland of the police, the drummer, uh, did the soundtrack for Future Sport, which is... Future Sport. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for the Hawaiian Liberation Front, Drew. They're, they're going to get you. That's <laughs> Wait, is that really what they're called? The HLO? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they call them, and they call them the Howleys. It's oh like Planet God. X Gold. It's just so bad. I you know, I was, I was thinking about that afterwards, though, and there's a dude who um, I follow him on the Planet X Instagram because um, I follow a lot of, like, I don't know, a lot of these kind of people and stuff. Sure, um, yeah. uh, Michael Jai White. He's a MMA artist, but he was the dude who played Spawn in the Spawn movie. I am very familiar, yes. Yeah, he's great, man. It looks like he's kind of doing more television and kind of focusing on martial arts and stuff right now. Well, um, Spawn, Spawn certainly didn't help his career. So Yeah, yeah. I think like DeVito is the only guy that got out of that film unscathed. Like, John um, Leguizamo? DeVito wasn't <laughs> in that. That was John Leguizamo in a fat suit. Oh, that's right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was awful. I mean, it is just... Uh, well, that guy's doing good stuff now, so he's he's fine. Um, okay, so in, in also in Shaggy-related news, uh, something I found out, and this, this blew my fucking mind, and I've been sitting on it for a week to tell you. The podcast is just about Shaggy now. That's Yeah, just, this is our Shaggy cast. This is Shaggy cast with... <laughs> uh, you're not going to believe this, dude. All right. In, I 2000, so- in 2005, a film was made. It is called Blast. It was directed by Anthony Hickox. Okay. Okay. It was kind of a vehicle for Eddie Griffith. Uh, it's kind of like an action comedy. Uh, Breck and Myers in there and kind of like a, a Steve Zahn sort of role. So um, it's, like a, it's like an action anti-comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is about a terrorist that steals nuclear warheads and puts them on an oil rig. Mm-hmm. It also features Vivica Fox and Shaggy. Get the fuck out! I'm not kidding. There is already an action film about a terrorist who must be stopped in a remote tropical location with Luke Fox and Shaggy. <laughs> Granted, Shaggy is, is very briefly in the film. He plays a character called Mace. Uh, and Vivica Fox actually plays like a, like a CIA handler type character who's like back at home base. Um, but Eddie Griffith and Breck and Meyer are two guys who are like dropped onto this ship and have to like fight uh, the, you know, the big bad terrorist dude. So, uh, who's a, actually played by um uh what's that guy's name uh Vinnie Jones? Vinnie Jones. Do I know Vinnie Jones? You know Vinnie? this cat, dude. He was in Snatch. He was in um oh I see. Uh, he's the guy that played Juggernaut in that one X Men movie. Yes, where, where I he see. said the hateful word about women. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, so, he's been, wait, I know him from I know him from Guy Ritchie stuff. So not only is there an action movie in a tropical setting with in two thousand five. With Vivica Fox and Shaggy. Vivica Fox and Shaggy, but they were also smart enough to go like, let's not have Wesley Snipes do a Jamaican accent. Don't think he can pull it off. They got Shaggy. (laughs) Fucking unreal. Yeah. Oh, man, we are good at our job. Well, it's just, it's crazy because we are through the looking glass. We have now almost made an extant movie. (laughs) And it's got me thinking, like, is is retrocausation really a thing? Like, did we make Blast happen? Did we send Heatland Jamaica (laughs) back in time? Hey, do they kill Breckenmeyer? Fuck, no, no. Wow, just... No, it's not that kind of movie. 
I wanted to go three for three. I was actually proud of us for making a movie with a character arc. I oh. yeah, no kidding. And I I actually like Breckenbier, by the way. I just want to say, but um, oh, I do too. I like Eddie Griffith actually. So like, yeah, oh. yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, you know what? Uh, Heatland Jamaica had a really nice like beginning, middle, end. We had a little character development, which is new for us. You know, it feel, feels all right. We'll see if it sticks. I don't know, but. Uh, yeah, I think I think he let Jamaica was a ton of fun. It just blew my mind. It absolutely like I was looking for like other Vivica Fox films and I was like, Blast? Never heard of Blast? Oh shit, wow. Shaggy's in that one. <laughs> wow. Did that get a theatrical release? Did that get sure a did. domestic release? Wow. I believe it okay. did, yeah. I believe so. Uh, now well now I just have to watch it. Whatever it is, I just have to watch it now. Yeah, it's actually it's I mean I like I like the cast. I kind of I dig the concept. You know, it seems pretty straightforward. It's it's obvious that it's trying to do like it's trying to do like Lethal Weapon in the early two thousands. Like it's going kind of hard into screwball comedy and one liners. Um, but I don't know. It's like a buddy, more like a buddy cop film. Yeah, it's it's a two hander. It's it's Griffith and Myers trapped on the oil rig trying to stop the British guy who stole the warheads. And like Vivica is their handler and they're calling back to base, but they're, they're going like room to room shooting people and getting guns and stuff like that. I might actually enjoy that. I'm going to give it a watch. Could be good, man. Could be good. But uh, unfortunately we don't come together each week to talk about shaggy related news. We come together to take your movie title suggestions and fully flesh them out. Uh, are you, are you trying to pick I know that you must, it is your duty to pick the movie. There's just so many good ones, Blair. And well, we have, it's it a makes good me problem. sad. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Though. It is. If you want to drop off a hypothetical movie title for us, you can do that in one of two ways. You can go to our website at planetxcinema.com uh, and click on the submit button, or you can send us an email at planetxcinema at gmail.com. We also have a new exciting third way for you to get a title on the show, uh, we're going to try something a little bit different. So uh, if you go on iTunes and leave a review for our show and you put a hypothetical movie title in that review, we will do it on the show. Uh, it's probably going to be kind of like the rapid fire stuff we did for the Hallmark Channel movies. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but we will mention you by name. We'll, we'll, we'll knock that out. Yeah, one way or another, you're getting on the show. Correct. This week, I bring to you from Danny Edwards. Friend of the show. Friend, friend of the show, Danny Edwards. Thank you, Danny, in advance, I hope. The title is The Rustiest Gun in the Lower Tucson Metro. The Rustiest Gun in the... <laughs> Give it to me one The Rustiest Gun in the... Rustiest the Rustiest Gun in the Lower Tucson Metro. So, okay. so... We're in Tucson. We're in beautiful Tucson, Arizona. Fantastic Tucson... Arizona, beautiful Tucson, Arizona, Tucson Metro. So it's not an old West movie. It's got to be contemporary, at least 20th century, right? Metro area of Tucson. Yeah. Um, the, the rustiest gun sounds like somebody's kind of been out of action for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like, okay. I like, I like that a lot. Like we're dealing with somebody who was once not a rusty gun. It was a shiny oil, well-oiled Killing machine dispatching frontier justice in it, in, in the Tucson metro. <laughs> it, but now it, it's it's not a title that the Cohen brothers would use, but it evokes a Cohen brothers yes film. Okay, yes, it's a fiasco film. Like right. Yeah, we've got it. Oh god. Okay, so well, this is really good too because the film has a has a pivot. It has a locus now, which is this rusty gun. 
And is it the lawman who well wielded it? Or is it hanging in a bar called the rusty gun? Or is it, or is it, yeah. It's okay, lost yeah. and we got to go find it. But, but, but to your point about the Coen brothers, it has this cool contrast where we're going to, we're going to do something around the quick and the dead rusty gun, something, but it also has to be couched in like suburban Tucson, Arizona. <laughs> very interesting. I, I pulled up Tucson, Arizona, just to see if there was anything about Tucson that was fun. I just want to throw this out there. Tucson has a modernism week. Really? <laughs> yeah, we, that's cool, Tucson. You have a whole week uh, dedicated to modernism. Modernism? Yeah, that's anti-rust. That's shiny. Modern stuff is shiny. Um, so like, uh, is it just like mid-century furniture and like... Frank Lloyd Wright architecture, <laughs> like they just really like it, or what? Pretty much since 2012, the first two weekends of October, Modernism Week. Tucson Modernism Week. Wait, it's two weeks long. Two weeks of you can't modern. Call it one week of two. You can't call it Modernism Week. It's Modernism Weeks. Well, that's you're gonna have to take that up with the Tucson Historic Preservation Foundation. I got a bone to pick with the THP. I'll tell you what. That's right. And, but the events are located in mid-century modern buildings and neighborhoods throughout the city and have highlighted uh, the work of significant architects and designers who contributed to the development and history of Southern Arizona. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our new sponsor, the Tourism and Hospitality Board of Tucson, Arizona. Thank you so much. Not sure how you got in touch with us, and, but, but we thank you and the check's cash. So thank you very much, Tourism and Hospitality yep. Board of, uh, of Tucson, cool. Arizona. Glad we asked them to make it out to cash because yeah. We, we here at Planet X do not make any money, but yeah. uh, we do cash checks. <laughs> if the Phoenix Conventioners Bureau would like to get in touch with us, you can do that at our website, planetxcinema.com. Thank you very yeah. much. Or any, yeah. Blair, we've got a, we have a rusty gun on our hands. The rustiest gun in the lower Tucson metro. It does sound like um, a fiasco film. I don't think it has anything to do with Westerns. I think it's sort of like... Okay, it, cool. It's, I like the idea of it sort of being like, um, oh gosh, uh, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. It's sort of like a, you know, like a, a teen, a teen romp, but. Oh, okay. That's not where I went at all. That's cool. Okay. Why? Well, give me, give, but, give me teen romp. well, I was thinking it's a good title for a teen romp, but teen romps are kind of hard to plan at X without. Mm. Give me like, an example of a teen romp. What do you mean by that? Oh, um, a teen romp would be like um, a Ferris Bueller's Day Off, or what? Or a Super Bad is a good example of like. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Like a Dazed and yeah. Confused, or yeah, Dazed uh, and Confused. even like an American Graffiti or something. Yes, a, a day in the life of a group of teens. Of the teens. And shenanigans. In no, I, I like that. I, let's pull an element of that into there, but. I, teens with guns doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want a bunch no. of teens running around with guns. Neither do I, especially well, rusty guns. But as so, we said, the rusty, the rust, the gun can be rusty, or it can be, it can denote something else. We don't have to go that way. It was just something well, that I don't know. Yeah, if we, yeah. Well, let me let, put it. Let, let's hold on to that. Let's hold on to that because I don't. I'm not against it, but. What I was going to say is in the spirit of these kind of Coen brother fiasco movies, right? Which have this cool way of like taking genre conventions and sort of like playing with them and, and doing sort of unexpected things, but in the end still telling really compelling tight, tidy stories. What if this was a hard boiled detective story, but it took place in like 
1997 in Tucson. <laughs> so it's like all the trappings of like the saxophone music wailing on like the, the foggy streets. He's like, a dame walked into my office. If it wasn't for the floor, her legs would go on forever. But, but it all takes place in like suburban Tucson. So the guy's name is like Derek. <laughs> he's, the, he's a detective. <laughs> and it's sort of like, like uh, what was the Andy Richter show where he was a de- Andy Richter PI or something? Yeah, it was the it was the the Andy. Well, no, it wasn't the Andy. The Andy Richter show was a um, no. That was a different thing. An excellent a, television show. That was a sitcom that that should still be on the air. My uh, God, Blair, preach it. Um, well, any almost everything Andy Richter does is fucking amazing because he's an underrated talent. But um, well, he has two superpowers. One is he's the funniest man on earth, and the second is nobody knows it. <laughs> yeah, Except Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien yeah. figured it out years ago. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 amazing because like people would always go like, oh, Andy doesn't really do much, and then that brief period of time where Andy wasn't <laughs> on the Conan show was just bad. He was putting out solid gold. But he did a show called Andy Richter P.I., which was about him kind of being a shitty P.I. And I think I think it could actually be really fun, like, on the dark streets of downtown <laughs> Tucson. Like, one man is, like, maybe, like, a teen, a teenage girl is missing, and it's kind of like a twin Twin Peaks thing, but, like, Every time where Twin Peaks gets esoteric, this one just gets really silly and fiasco-y. Sure. So what? But what element will we need? It. We need a Planet X element. And okay. so what I was talking about earlier is that there are teen romps like, um, or there are certainly teen movies in the Planet X canon. We showed the Blob remake. That's just teens. That's just teens the whole time. Um, so like what what like what is it? There has to be something more than just, you know. Okay. I have a crazy idea, Blair, and you gotta tell me if we're not gonna go this way. You okay. gotta just say like, nope, we're not doing that. I promise you my full, most honest response. What if Yes. It's the American Southwest. What can I do there? Peyote, I guess? What if it was like naked lunch? Or like like, what if we brought, like, a like a drug, like a Jacob's Ladder element into this film that, like, this guy is tripping balls or regularly trips or he's, like, strung out or something? So, like, things are not always what they seem and he ends up, like, interviewing doors and stuff, like, getting information from, like... I like this. Like a Can John dies at the end, but then we don't do the supernatural payoff or maybe we do, I don't know, like... Can I might be just... going into blue velvet territory. I'm not really sure what I'm going to... I'm lost, Blair. I'm lost. I'm in a tailspin. I'm my... bleeding chips, Blair. <laughs> my... <laughs> as long as we can hand wave my entire past life and I can jump into a drug film, I'm happy to do it. Well, we don't have to. We don't have to. I was just thinking like, okay, like, uh, it, it, how do we get it out of the de- the hard-boiled detective story reality and st- and go into Planet X territory without doing like it takes place in the future and the rusty gun is a laser gun and they're all on a spaceship the whole time like you know the, you know it's funny the meat the meat puppets are from out there um, really and, yeah they're from uh, uh, well I think they're from Phoenix but they may actually be from Tucson I I, I could double check that the but Phoenix they, that's in West Texas right <laughs> well. It's in Arizona. <laughs> in Arizona, that's that's in far west Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that's far west Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, they, in interviews, would talk about how they love to go out into the middle of the desert out there and do mm. psychedelics. And they said it was a great environment to do 
psychedelics. And um, I, I like the idea oh, of maybe messing with something like minimal lost out in the desert is kind of fun. Wait, 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 wait. That's really good. So what if, what if the teenagers in town, right? Okay, like, and we have to reveal this because it's a hardboiled detective story. This has to come at the end. At the beginning, a girl goes missing, and that's all we know. But over the course of the film, we find out that these teens have been going out in the desert and, like, doing drugs out there and having these parties out in the desert, right? And they're getting the drugs in down, from downtown, from the Tucson metro. And this, this detective, like, halfway or a quarter, a quarter of the way through the film, uh, goes out to the site of this, and he's, he's, like, trying to find this lost, dead teenager – and he's like interviewing her friends and stuff like that. And then he finds some of this drug and he ends up back in his office and he like either accidentally or intentionally, maybe he gets like drunk and he like doesn't really mean to, but somehow he ends up taking it. And then he goes on a psychedelic trip while he's like solving this mis- Like, so he's like, as he's going, like it, it lasts like two days or something or it lasts a day. I don't know. And so like the course of the movie is like him tripping, going around trying to solve this mystery. We're still early enough that I think if we wanted to make a big shift, we can. So I'm going to throw something out throw there. Throw something and out. You tell me if this is garbage. Okay. Would you like to, instead of a detective story, do a monster movie, but not not like a monster attacking movie, like a, like a, a cryptid movie, like a, a Bigfoot uh, movie or a Jersey Devil movie. Okay. And instead of using like creepy woods or something like that, we're using the open desert as the landscape, right? And so these teens take this drug and they see this uh, creature and then it kind of Freddy Krueger's into their lives. Ooh. Um, it doesn't have to be a horror movie though. See what I'm saying? It can just be a thing. Um, the, the thing is, if we do a mystery movie, we're gonna have to write a mystery. Which no, means no, no, no. This is good. You're, you're absolutely right because we don't have a ton of time and I can't reverse engineer a mystery story. I'm not Agatha Christie. Like, you want to start at the beginning and write a mystery in reverse? We can do it. I'd like to keep the cast very small mm-hmm. and I'd like, to, I'd like to use the sparseness of the setting. to So you have like maybe three teens, three or four teens. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a, a, a cop um, you know, one or two people who live in a tiny little okay. suburb of Tucson, the lower Tucson metro area. They don't live in Tucson. They live south of Tucson mm-hmm. in, a, oh, in a nowhere town. Does, is this going anywhere? I think we got it. Okay. okay. So let, me, let me see if I can, let me see if I can pull all of this together. Hit me. Because I, I like this. I like this a lot because this removes the anxiety I was having about I have to write an LA Confidential style mystery movie. <laughs> and uh, I'm pretty good that. at getting out of work. Let's, yeah. do, let's do less work. Uh, I just watched Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy again you know, the other night, and I, I still don't know what that movie is about. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's kind of like LA Confidential. I think you have to watch it like five or six times. But anyway. Uh, Okay. In the spirit of our initial idea, of your initial idea to do like a Coen Brothers style movie. Yes. It starts off with like saxophone, like, wah, 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 
but we're in Tucson, Arizona. It, start, it our, starts off with the walrus chorus? What the fuck was that? <laughs> so it starts off with like a wailing saxophone in Tucson, and we see our protagonist like, he's a hard-boiled detective. He's Guy Noir, whatever. And he's, he, you know, he, he whatever. He's got the neon sign that flickers. It says private eye, whatever. And people sure. come to him. He's like, people come to me with their problems all the time. Sometimes they don't even want them solved, whatever. Um <laughs> He, he, he gets a case about a missing girl and it's like a, you know, teenage girl ended up out in the desert. I guess it has to be a woman. Well, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. He gets a case about missing teenagers and he's got to go out in the desert and he figures out that these kids are out there doing drugs that they're buying in downtown and they're just bored teens. They go out in the desert and whatever. And when he starts interviewing the ones that are still alive, not only do they not want to talk about that night because they're real cagey, that's a good like detective story cliche, right? Like, hey, mister, I don't know what you think you know, but whatever, it was just harmless fun. It turns out that this drug that they were doing and maybe the land they were doing it on is tied to this kind of cryptid, like this, this Mothman, Poplick Bridge, whatever, right. Beast of Exmoor kind of thing that now is like psychically hunting off these teenagers. But I, I like the idea that like, it's, it's psychic. It's number one, it's psychic. It's not real. So it's like, it's not, or it's not extant. Right. So it is like manifesting itself and murdering, like maybe when they fall asleep or something, right? Like, it's like, it's like Dreamwalker. Like if one of them falls asleep, it can take over one of their bodies. Right. That's go kill and go kill. So they're waking up in the morning, like stressed out and tired and with weird cuts on their body. They don't know that at the nighttime, the the Wendigo is taking them over and it's like the skinwalker or whatever. It's gotta then, be very it's gotta be very desertish too. It has to be like a, a weird jack like a jackrabbit the size of a deer or a jackalope. Can it be a jackalope? Sure, whatever. We can figure it out. Like okay, I mean but all right, but anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted your flow. No, it's You're okay. Like well. no, no, I mean like, there's a model in the Navajo skinwalker myths for this. But um then so what happens is halfway through the movie it transitions from hard-boiled detective story to it is like man on a mission with a gun like kicking down doors and trying to wake teenagers up so that they don't go on murder sprees and then like one of these things turning and being like full-on pumpkin head <laughs> now we're like we're running around tucson arizona like fighting pumpkin head in the streets like remember we're we're not in tucson we're in the lower tucson metro area sure, so i sure. like the idea that it's like a town of like nobody it's like you know a few hundred people yeah, it's the it's the burbs man yeah i really want to get paradise by meat puppets in this fucking movie it's that's, in there bud we'll get it it's okay happen. i'm sorry i'm sorry i just i love but it. how do you how do you feel about that like you started I off like as like, this, like a hard-boiled detective story the first 20 minutes feels like a sparse cohen-esque brothers la confidential in the tucson desert then it turns into like teenagers doing drug stories so we kind of get like a blue velvet thing there for a second and then it turns into full-on freddy krueger where the the thing whatever it is is coming out and murdering people across suburban tucson i like this it's like a, it's like a weird desert version of nightmare on elm street told as a detective story mm. um well and, and it's got it's got the poltergeist element too of like the house is built on an indian burial ground right Right, kids in their suburban neighborhood, like this is this thing's hunting ground. They're they're the intruders. Um, so I I like even the idea of like um, whatever the name of this cryptid is, mm -hmm. whatever it is the the Wendigo. Like 
seeing the Wendigo is like local slang for doing LSD in the desert. So it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's so like it's the like, Green Fairy with, uh, with right, absinthe, so, right? Yeah, so yeah, there, yeah. There is, yeah, so there is sort of like, there's a beginning scene where people are like banging on people's like hoods going like, hey, we're going to go out and see the Wendigo. You coming to see the Wendigo? Like, call John. Like, where's John? Like, John, we're going to see the Wendigo. Get off the, get your fucking chores done. We're going to go see the Wendigo. And then you see, they all just go out. It cuts to them in the desert doing acid. Um, I also want to mention, before I forget, I knew there was a Tucson band I was forgetting. Calexico is from Tucson. Oh, nice. Very cool. Okay. The soundtrack is done. (laughs) Like, we're going to... I mean, yeah, Calexico. You're welcome back, Calexico. Thanks for your help on uh, Bring Me Your Head. You're, Calexico, you're, you're, you're slapping you in again. Yeah, Calexico, the first track from Huevos, um, Paradise by Meat Puppets, and then Tim Capello's sax music. <laughs> that, that's, that's basically what we're looking at. Um, I like uh, very Okay, much. wait, wait. So, yeah, no, that's real, real that's all really, really good. Um, I, wanna, I want there... to apologize to the people of Arizona. My cryptid knowledge... <laughs> My, my cryptozoological knowledge is not up to date. And so I did have to Google cryptids of Arizona. Is there we a, have good a one? We have a very good candidate in the Mongolon beast. The no, sorry, Mogolon. The Mogolon. Mogolon. Yeah, Mogolon beast. Mogolon beast, you say? Yeah. I mean, now, it is from central and eastern Arizona, so we're a little outside of Tucson, but that's okay. I think we can swing this. Uh, he's mostly been seen along the Mogollon Ridge. He's often described as a Bigfoot or ape-like creature. I see this. Footprints, video, hair samples, no conclusive yeah, Check out this detail there, dude. Wait, wait, check out this detail. Yeah, Reports yeah. claim it has a strong and pungent odor, often described, as that, often described as that of, quote, dead fish, a skunk with bad body odor, decaying peat moss, and the musk of a snapping turtle. Well, it's like the skunk ape. Yeah, dude, this thing stinks like shit. Um, it's so body- I think... Wait a minute, wait a minute, Drew. It's, this is perfect. A bipedal humanoid over seven feet tall with inhuman street mm-hmm. uh, strength, large, wild, and red eyes, and yep. its body is covered with black or reddish-brown hair mm-hmm. with the inclusion of the chest, hands, and feet, and it smells really... So basically Bigfoot. So we're talking Bigfoot skunk ape, but in the desert, which is freaky. It's like Chewbacca walking around. Yeah, dude, it's a fucking Wookiee murder machine out in the Arizona desert. Wookie murder machine is very good. So, um, how do is is it is it a Spanish word? So if it is, then it's mogollon. Mogollon. Oh, that's a good uh, point. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a pronunciation guide here. I think it's it looks like it is mogollon. Mogollon. Oh, that's even better. I like that. Okay, the mogollon. Better too, because like um, if they're like, hey, do you want to go watch mogollon? We're gonna go watch mogollon. You want to watch the mogollon? Let's go uh, watch Mogion. It sounds, it sounds like a Gamera villain. Like, Gamera versus Mogion. Gamera versus Mogion. <laughs> he is the beast protector of a faraway planet. Only the savior of children, Gamera, can defeat him. He's a uh, perfectly symmetrical dragon with a head for both a head and a tail. And four yeah. sets of wings in it. He flies both ways. Like, <laughs> God, Gamera monsters were the best. <laughs> they really were. They were all like pantomime horses with bad heads. Yeah. Wonderful. It's a carousel that shoots fire. And it's made of teeth. I don't know. Fuck you. We're Gamera. <laughs> yeah. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you don't know why you rented this. We don't know what we're doing. So welcome to the Gamera show. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Uh, um... Okay, so this is very good. We need now. N- now we've got this. This is good. We've got we've got a set. We we have a setting. We have characters. We have a basic idea of kind of the vibe. Now we mm-hmm. need now we need specific 
did I say characters? Because I was going to say we we need characters and we need to start working plot. So okay. I don't know where do you want to start with this thing? Let's uh, hmm. let's start with characters because I think we've got to we've got to we know what the plot is more or less. Which is this detective is brought in on this case. He discovers that it's actually the the Mogion Beast and it turns into kind of a monster movie at the end. We have to decide whether or not he's successful or not. I think he is. Is he, is he the nominal rustiest gun in the lower? Well, so this is what I was going to say. I want to do characters. Let's, let's definitely do characters. All right. At some point, and we can cross this bridge now, or we can do it later. We've got to figure out why the rustiest gun is in the title. And we could do like a Reginald Val Johnson thing from uh, Die Hard where like he has a gun, but he doesn't use it. And so it's gotten rusty. And then at the end of the movie, he uses it to kill the monster. Um, or maybe the whole thing is that nobody, no cop has had to fire a bullet in this tiny town in two generations, and it's like his grandfather. Fuck, you took the fuck, Blair. God damn it. What I was going to say is, like, <laughs> great, detect, great detective agencies always have amazing names. And what if his detective agency was called the Rusty Gun? Because he never has to fire a bullet. He's that good. He's, he's that like, good. He's like, why is it called the Rusty Gun? You can't fire a Rusty Gun. He's like, gun's rusty because it never had to shoot it. Yeah, smart smart man doesn't have to shoot. <laughs> smart man thinks. Man. I like this guy very much. Who can we let's go ahead and cast this fellow? Fuck, wow, you're ready to cast. Holy shit, well, Blair. Because early on you were talking in this almost Gabby Hayes voice, and I was like, <laughs> how, old is, how old is this guy? Is he well, is, is it really Gabby Hayes where he's like, We're not stopping in Denver, Roy. A lot of women in Denver. Yeah. A lot of women in Denver. <laughs> That's an actual Gabby Hayes vibe. <laughs> No, I know, I know. That's why I'm laughing. Um, to Denver. It's great film. Check it out. Um, I mean, to me, to me, it feels like a. It feels like a late '80s, early '90s kind of thing. Yeah, like uh, I mean, it's just like very. But for casting teens, because it means that we can grab from the late '90s and go like, well, who was like '80s TV shows would be great to pick teenagers out of and then also people who were stars in uh-huh. the mid 90s would be good young stars from well, the mid 90s like, would be good to kind of grab for teenagers it makes really me three or four teens is what i'm saying yeah it kind of like did you ever see after hours the scorsese film yes yes i did kind of a strange film it's about a guy like trying to find his way home basically in new york um, i quite liked it i thought it was good it's really good it's really 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 good but it's also deeply weird and it, it has this really dark feeling to it it's just kind of like grimy and claustrophobic and stuff and like i feel like jacob's ladder has that and does it way better i feel like there's there's these films that are sort of couched in like the mid to late 80s to like 1991 like uh um like falling down like there's a tonal thing from that time that is like kind of dark and claustrophobic and sweaty and oppressive and stuff. And I think doing that, but then also doing some kind of like monster movie inside of that sounds really fun. I like what you, I like that you brought up the term claustrophobic. I like the idea of setting the thing in the desert because you can play with um, agoraphobia, like the, the vastness. It's like a, like a, a a lost at sea movie. There's nowhere to hide in the Mm. desert. You see, but it, but but it's mm. still you could still do it's the same menacing menacing dark feel right that's kind sure. of also that Cohen Brothers Blood Simple kind of feel to it okay. right yeah totally okay this may be way too on the nose um, what you got well 
so like we're talking about these kind of like we're talking about a lot of movies man man it is tough to put like a finger on the genre we're going for here but i thought of kyle Malo- kyle mclaughlin because he was he was obviously right. in in twin peaks right and he was great but he was also in one of our favorite films the hidden and yes. so there was a period where like he was doing some kind of crazy stuff he was also in blue velvet which i mentioned earlier um and like i could see him being the rustiest gun the like the kind of like unflappable but sort of weird detective character but i feel like it's too that's too perfect he would also be fairly young that's why i asked like what how old you were thinking because i was like well if it's a teen movie it'd be more fun if we have more of like a somebody in their early 40s or at least late 30s somebody a little yeah, bit somebody a little older for the time yeah a little bit just just to kind of contrast uh you know somebody what, you got any ideas who, who who do you want to put in that role parents age i don't know uh nick nolte <laughs> oh fuck yeah what was he doing around that time that's great he was being nick nolte he's like gary Busey. you can always get nick nolte yeah well no this is like yeah it's between 48 hours and another 48 hours so we could probably get him <laughs> probably snag him god he's got the look too fuck do you think nick nolte would do this movie uh, he can and he will. <laughs> yeah, dude. Holy shit. Yeah, dude, day, let's do it. Let's lock some, him in. Now, this is a great chance. movie where we get Gary Busey, Nick Nolte, and Randy Quaid in the same film. But no, no, no. that that day is not today. We're gonna we're gonna get Rand. I I'm 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 with uh I'm I'm all the way behind Nick Nolte as this guy. You know, actually, this is a very good excuse for me to talk about my side project that I've been working on for years, which is, uh, and for the love of God, I've been talking about this movie for 10 years. I want them to make a movie with Nick Nolte, Gary Busey, and uh, Willem Dafoe, where they all play three homeless guys who win the lottery. We have discussed this. I like this movie very, very much. (laughs) Because they're a triad of men who, if you saw them out of context, you'd be like, that guy's homeless. (laughs) Like, no way. No way does that guy a Hollywood actor. (laughs) Well, that's like when Randy Quaid finally earned earned his way into that club i really wanted to get him in a movie with those guys I'll put Randy Qua- sure whatever i like the idea of of a bunch of homeless guys who win the lottery money corrupts them and then trading places style they find out in the end that the real the real treasure is friendship yeah okay so nick nolte is in as detective do you want to go silly or do you want him to sound kind of hard-boiled gary somebody <laughs> gary's very good i like gary he's a gary right gary langhorn Gary Langhorn. <laughs> Gary Langhorn. Good. Private detective. Gary Langhorn, PI. I like Gary Langhorn. Yeah. Langhorn Investigations is pretty no, good. It's called the Rusty Gun. We already we already established I, that. I know. I'm just playing around with the last name to see if I like it. And I, I've okay. tried it on for size and I, I think it's okay. Okay, so this is good. So like crying mother wanders into the rusty gun. She's got to find her daughter. I think we need four teens for our movie. Okay. I think think one, I think two boys, two girls, maybe even two couples. And I don't like, and one of the girls goes missing and that's what sets off the investigation. Okay. So really we need two boys and a girl. Two boys and a girl, but yeah, but that's on, but character wise, think of it as a, as a, 
set of two couples. I think that's nice. That's kind of tidy. Okay, sure, sure. So we've got, uh, what, are we going to give them like 1950s kind of names, like just throwaway names, or do you want to give them like Bobby proper, like a proper like 80s, 90s, like Kirsten? <laughs> Kirsten is very 90s. That's very late Kirsten 90s. Ashley was very popular Ashley at the time. With, Ashley with two E's. Oh, that's Derek. good. I like that. Yeah. Now we're going back to Halloweeners now with these names. <laughs> All right. I said Derek earlier, so I'm going to put him in there. Derek is good. That excludes Rick, which is always a good teen character move. Well, name. and sorry, pro tip for the listeners. Uh, diasyllabic names are always funnier. <laughs> they are. No, it's yeah. true. That's why Gary is funnier than Chad. <laughs> Derek and Randy? Derek and Randy? Is that sure? That's fine. Derek, Randy? Uh, you- you said two couples. You want to do uh, Ashley, Randy, Kirsten, Derek? <laughs> I do, just because it was so much fun when you said it. <laughs> Randy, Ashley, Kirsten, Derek. <laughs> okay. We call them. We call them. Yeah. No. Okay. So, so outside of the plot of the film as it's presented, right? Uh, right. The, at the as the events as they happened. Randy, Ashley, Kirsten, Derek go out into the desert for a wild night of partying and drinking at parentheses makeout point. They are we going to do the drug thing or do you want to just skip that and go straight to cryptids? I'd like to do the drug thing. I don't thing, think we but, need it anymore. Well, okay. I, I, here's why I thought that we still needed it. And then you tell me what you think. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm off. I like the idea of sort of the, the movie sets up, with um, Gary Langhorn, he's doing his his voiceover, his noir voiceover, you know, sort of, you will never believe this story, gremlin style. Yeah. And then I liked the idea of like a dazed and confused or fast time sort of scene where the four teens are getting together because they're all going to go do acid in the desert. Yep. And, and then... Um, I like also that Gary Langhorn is a PI and not a cop because it means he's not morally obligated to pick him up for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like the idea of them sort of coming back and being like, yeah, we all saw, we all saw this monster and it took Ashley. I don't know. It took one of them. Um, I want to lean into the really fun parts of this story and I want to just like jack them up to 11 because I think that's how we get a Planet X film out of this. So here's, here's what I want to propose. Okay. I want to jam together a couple monster elements in here and I want to do way more monster stuff. Okay. So start off, hard-boiled detective story. Somebody comes in, my daughter's missing. Kirsten, she, I don't know, she parties with these people. Blah, whatever. Uh, don't worry, I'm on the case. He goes, I'm Dar. He goes out into, the, into Tucson, Tucson and he uh, figures out what was going on with these kids. Oh, they're out in the desert, blah, blah, blah. They're doing some crazy new drug. It's called sandstone or something. I don't know, whatever it's called. It's called fire. It's called pine. Whatever. It, the pine's not bad, actually. Like, is it? Is it not bad, Drew? Well, I don't know. They call weed grass. Like, I'm a 100-year-old man, okay? I can say whatever. I call it. <laughs> they call it leaves. I don't oh, know. Okay. <laughs> All of your all of your characters do talk like Gabby Hayes. Um, okay, no, but I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. I want to get to the good part. I want. Yeah, no, to back the to the good part. part. Go, 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 go. So the whole time these kids are like, when we were out, or like, eventually it's revealed, like, dude, this thing came out, red eye, stank like shit, and it killed Kirsten, and we can't tell anybody because our parents aren't going to believe that. The cops aren't going to believe it. 
Like, oh, can they can they say well, it dragged her into the desert? Perfect. Yeah, oh, it, it just took so her. And now we have these cool like those like blurry slow motion shots of like Kirsten, no, like okay, great. And then you have a little hills have eyes kind of action going on too, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. That's a good reference point too. I like that. So okay, so he goes to the scene of the crime, takes a bunch of pictures. And is like, man, I don't know. I think I think this fucking Derek guy murdered his girlfriend. Like, this isn't adding up. So he's back in his office. He's back in his office. He's got some of the drugs there. He's got these photos. He like he can't really put this story together. So he starts like kind of drinking. I think a little bit. And then somehow some of this shit, whatever it is, gets into him. Okay. And then like the wallpaper starts moving. And like shit starts, like he sees faces and stuff. And then as he's looking at the photos he took, he starts seeing like blurry images of this thing. And he realizes that this thing's always there, but the key to seeing it is whatever this drug is they were taking. So like okay. he, he has to go back to their houses and like, yeah, they're, they're waking up and going on. The, like they think they're, they're being taken over by these like murder monster or this murder monster or whatever that's running around the, the, the murder Chewbacca. But what we have is a movie where the detective, he gets to like a crime scene, the door's busted open, the windows are broken, there's blood everywhere. And they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what could have happened here, but he's still like kind of tripping on that shit. So he's like, yeah, you guys don't see these bloody footprints? Like, you don't see all this hair? And they're like, you no. All this fishy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now he's in a position where if he wants to catch this thing, he's got to trip balls. <laughs> okay <laughs> and so and and i like that this thing is hidden where like we can have the scene where like it jumps out of a window and lands on a car and everyone just sees the car go like they don't see the thing right except he sees it and he's like ah like so he's running down the street with his gun just like you fucking <laughs> okay i i really i really love this is very good this is very good i really love this and i think i think i can even actually make the setup a little bit easier okay. um so two things um i think i can set up the first thing is that as again, we're not in Tucson. We're in a suburb in the lower Tucson metro area. Okay. And I think the reason that this PI gets involved and the cops don't is that he, they don't, he places a call to Tucson PD. Mm. He's like, hey, you know, the kids say they were out in the desert doing something. He's like, all the kids down there just do acid in the desert. We're not sending a cop down to do that. He's like, fine, I'll check it out. Okay. Um, so that's that establishes why the PI is dealing with crap and well, wait, not- hold on. sorry, pause for a second. That should be a call. Like, yes, we can have the dude in that, but it can be like the he asked the mom, like, why didn't you just call Arizona the Arizona Sheriff's Department? She's like, I called them. They don't fucking care. It's just kids in the desert. Well, okay, okay. We can do we can do it that way. That I'm fine with that. I'm because not gonna the, die the cops me. aren't gonna kick a case to the PI. I just I it just helps establish his character as like they're like dude, you can handle this. You handle every rinky-dink thing in that town where nothing bad happens. And all the kids that live in your town just go out in the desert and do, do acid anyway. Sure, um, sure. But one, way the, one way or the other, the cops are out of the picture. Right. Here's how he gets the acid, though. The, the mom comes in, and she's hysterical. He's fine. He makes a call. The cops don't want to do it. So he calls the teens in. There's a scene with him and the there's an initial scene with him and the teens where he's like, tell me what you saw, you know, like that kind of, or maybe he goes out to the house or whatever. And he's like, all right, you guys break honest with me. Like maybe he's friends with their parents or something. He's known them their whole lives, tiny little town. And, and he's like, you guys out in the desert, just, you know, doing acid or whatever. And they're like, no, 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 no. Weren't. He was like, Derek, what were you fucking doing acid? He was like, we were doing it. He was like, get hand it over, like hand it over. You know, and he gives them little little buttons. 
you know, little little buttons. Okay. So uh, they're, they're on his desk with his aspirin or whatever. You know, and he, oh, accidentally, he mistakenly takes it. Yeah, he accidentally pops one. Like it's, you know, one of those kinds of things. And then well, like, boy, the vegetables of the second act of this film is going to be interesting because... Oh, no, 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 it's real simple. It's real simple. We, okay. all, we have to figure, all we have to figure out is, is the monster acting independently? Is it going around and killing? Or is it doing our original idea that when these kids take drugs or they're otherwise unconscious, whether that's sleep or whatever, the monster takes over or is able to come out through them, use them like a portal. Once we decide one of those things, either one's fine. It really doesn't matter. It's a style choice. The big thing we have to decide is why this thing is killing. Well, because I mean, every monster movie hinges on not stopping the monster, but stopping the source of the killing. That makes a lot more writing, which I don't mind doing. The second, so the second option, the supernatural option where it inhabits them, Freddy style, so- sounds more fun because instead of like Freddy, it's just a giant evil beast. And mm-hmm. so I like that. Yeah. The, so the killings would be weird and gruesome for a person to do right Mm -hmm. um so i kind of like that and and then i like that like even though a person had done it it would leave behind this smell and this hair and this that's that's kind of interesting to me why why is the why is the um well what if what if we go back to the original concept mogoyan mogoyan why is the mogoyan killing why is it there is it what if what if we go back to the original concept that the the suburban neighborhood the the lower metro area that we're setting all this in has intruded upon this thing's natural ground and like like a lot of cryptids like it has like mythology and stuff associated with it people like see it out of the corner of their eye whatever and these kids who are like tripping balls have have seen this thing and now that they have seen it it needs to kill them so that it can remain hidden I like that. So I it's like, like a, it's like a pre- it's like it it knows that it got found out, and oh, well, that's great like because it's, because it's a, it's a reverse predator. It's killing not to be seen. Right. Well, and in the past, it could hunt in anonymity because that part of your brain that can process it isn't accessible. But when these kids are like dropping acid, all that shit fades away, and they start seeing like faces in the cactuses, and then this thing comes out. And it's like, oh, sh- you can see me. My my camo doesn't work anymore. Well, now I got to murder all y'all. And so now this detective, now we have a movie where like these teenagers are getting picked off. I like this. It also lets us do something that we weren't able to do and shouldn't have done and rightly didn't do in uh, Bring Me Your Head, which is that we can give name service um, to just without getting specific about like shamanistic um practices that'll that see like oh i'm sorry the native americans know the fuck they they know this thing is there and they don't fuck with it (laughs) through the the use of hallucinogenic substances they could see it you know like so they stay the fuck away from it and they (laughs) stay the fuck away from it so we don't have to involve them in a way that becomes problematic we can actually legitimately give name service to that and then just dig into this weird suburban. Yeah, they're like, uh, you fucking idiots. Why were you doing peyote out there? Don't you know that thing lives out there? <laughs> like, you it's, idiots. It's, it's my, my, one of my favorite Planet X tropes, which is like, you're fucking with powers you do not understand and it will end you. What, what is wrong with you? And they're like, <laughs> well, we got 90 minutes of a film we got to make here. So it's like, well, it's like, oh, we want to get high though. And they're like, 
Oh, Fine. you want to get high, so you went and got high in murder Wookiee territory. Fine. Great. We wash, we wash our hands of this. God bless. Like, we are out. Good luck, Gary Langhorn. Yeah. Have, have fun. Yeah. But see, okay, now, now what we've done, we've written the second act for ourselves. So This is good. Well, no, what happens is the mom comes because the cops won't help with Christian's disappearance. He phones the Arizona police and is like, hey, there's a missing girl. Are you not going to do anything? And they're like, it's kids in the desert, you idiot. You live down there with those druggy kids and the, in the whatever. You figure it out. So he's like, right. oh, fine, oh, I'm on it. So he goes in and he goes in and interviews him. He's like, I think these kids are innocent. They were probably just doing drugs. He goes out to the site, gets some of the drugs, whatever. The kids give it up to your point, whatever. He does the drugs. Okay. He starts seeing shit in the photos he took and he's like, oh my God, okay, the LSD is doing something in my brain. I don't know what the fuck's happening. He gets a call uh randy's dead so oh holy shit so he goes over to randy's house his house has been fucking eviscerated he can smell this thing he can see stuff other people can't see and then we get the thing where like he hears like creaking floorboards above and he like kicks open their attic it's up in the attic nobody can see it but we basically get the dog chase from ghostbusters 2 where it's like busting out of the you know it's running down the hallway of the apartment complex it's chasing lewis like this guy's chasing this monster like shooting it and everyone thinks he's a madman because he's just like shooting the empty air he's putting bullets in the walls of the hallway full exactly. of oh i love exactly. this exactly exactly very, very it good. gets away and everyone's like you're a fucking lunatic why are you just like discharging a firearm in public and he realizes i'm seeing what these kids saw Something's going on, but it doesn't matter. Derek's dead. No, let's kill Randy first. Randy's dead. So now we're left with Derek, Kirsten's boyfriend, and Randy Ashley. Okay, that's good. That's good. Okay, well, let, let me ask you something real no, quick. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Now we're left with Derek, Kirsten's boyfriend, and Ashley, Randy's girlfriend. So I thought Ashley but, got drugged into the desert. Who got dragged into the desert at the beginning? Oh, I was assuming Kirsten, but that's fine. We can make it Ashley. Let's make it Ashley because no, Kirsten's no, no. more fun like, to say. We could even do the thing where like the two couples are obviously mismatched, and so the miss the miss two one partner from each gets dragged out into the desert, and then the two that are supposed to get together get together. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying. Like I think Kirsten Kirsten that's is an equally teen movie, right? Like that's yeah, your, that's your teen movie element, right? So I think Kirsten is initially killed. Uh, Detective Langhorn goes to see Randy because he's been killed. So now we're left with Ashley and Derek, the the boyfriend and girlfriend loners from the other two couples. They're like, we get a nice scene with them. But then I think Derek has to die also. And we can figure out how that happens so that it ends up with Gary Langhorn, P.I., defending Ashley against this thing, knowing it's going to come for her, knowing it's going to kill her. And by the way, probably him because now he's seen it so yeah. they have to he has to set up a standoff with this thing where he kills it and saves ashley or at least gets it to go away in such a way that everybody accepts the official version of the story but i think and here's the thing i think the cliffhanger is now he's seeing shit everywhere right like i think it ends with him going to a bar and being like you know, like, whatever. You can do it post-credits, but, I mean, that's a thing now. But, like, I think, like, the last scene is, like, he kills this thing, and it's like, okay, everyone sees this big, dead, hairy murder Wookiee, and they're like, holy shit, it was real all along. What the fuck? This guy ended it. And then you have that, like, like slide guitar transition to a bar. Nick Nolte, like, scarred up, walks into a bar and sits down. He's like, hey, just make it a bourbon. And they pour him a drink, and he drinks it, and he looks over, and, like, there's a zombie next to him that's like... <laughs> And he's like, hey, buddy. <laughs> and then, like, looks to his left, and there's, like, there's like a tentacle monster. Like, there's, like, just a Cthulhu slowly pushing its way. And he realizes, like, 
he's crossed the line and now he is Gary Langhorn, paranormal investigator. Love Lovecraftian, <laughs> Lovecraftian investigator of the of the American Southwest. Naked, I, I naked love- lunch-esque private eye. <laughs> I really, really like that. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought the bar to I kept uh, going oh, the like- the bar's good. Yeah, we should introduce well, the bar early. No, 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 listen to me. Yeah, no, but uh, yes, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I, I, st- I said no like eight times. Bad improv Blair. Bad, bad <laughs> improv Blair. Um, I'm not glad- Naughty evil zoot. That's, that's naughty. Ew, you must spank me, Drew. Um, what, what I was going to say is I think we need a character, and a bartender would be perfect. The adult character who doesn't think that Gary is crazy, but is like, he's got to check in with the sane person who's not seeing any of this from time to time, right? You've got to have- A sympathetic voice. Right. And it's not going to be the mom. The mom's like in his- no. She's got like one scene. Like she's- Fuck not that. in the movie. So, like, I, I think if we're gonna play, if we're gonna play the detective movie, why not the guy that pours whiskey at the at the no, at the nothing bar in the nothing town? He. Oh, did you mean did you mean Woody at the nothing bar? Woody at the nothing bar is that something? No, I mean I just think Woody is a good name for a bartender. Yeah, they used it in Cheers for like six seasons. Oh shit, you're right. God damn it. <laughs> He was actually played by someone named Woody. That's how good a name it is for a bartender. Damn, damn my latent obsession with Cheers. <laughs> wow, yours is yours is uh, way, way latent. It's even more latent than mine. Um, so but, not uh, Woody. What do you want to call him? Doug. Doug. <laughs> it's not great, but that's okay. Because no, Nick Nolte, he's got to say it in kind of a gravelly voice. So Ralph? It's be like, is it Ralph? Ralph. No, um, Charles. Ch- uh, uh, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Charlie. Charlie's Charlie. the one. Charlie. Charlie. Charlie's Char- good. Okay, that feels good in like a gravel voice. Yeah. Okay. The Nothing Bar is actually a really good name for a bar. Yeah, I know. That's why I put it in there, and it yeah. gets it. Well, and you said it, but it like it is that like nihilistic dark '80s thing. It's like, what's your bar called? The Nothing Bar. It's called. Well, it's yeah. called the Hole. Like it's, it's like ugh. <laughs> simultaneously eighties and um noir. Well, right. and it's a nice ending too that like we see Gary Langhorn PI drinking his bourbon or whatever with Charlie in the nothing and it's full of monsters. <laughs> it's like oh no <laughs> Oh, that's very good. That has a like it's not it doesn't make literal sense, it just has a good vibe. Yeah, yeah, it's all very Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yes, but but well, I won't get into it. Yes, it's fine. It's fine. I, I'm not a big Neil Gaiman fan, but it's all right. Okay, so that's good. That's good. We've got so Gary gets the case. He goes to the bar. He complains to Charlie. So we set up Charlie in the bar. He goes to see Dead Randy. Uh, Dead Randy. Oh gotta, man, you know what would be wild is if he actually sees the dead teens too. Like, cause he's slowly, he's slowly being sucked into this cryptid world. Like you're saying at the end, he's seeing people. Maybe he's being sucked into a space between our world and the, and the, you know, kind of an interdimensional. Yeah, place. That's cool. And psychedelic drugs. Take. If you're doing a naked lunch, though, like if you're really doing William Burroughs, William Burroughs is one of my favorite authors. He would absolutely love that, you know, because, you know, he well, very we- much was into that idea of, you know, if you think about even the movie Naked Lunch, there's mm-hmm. like three or four realms um, 
and and you, and you go like, well, that's okay. So so what we're dealing with is it 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 seems like a detective movie, and then it turns into a monster movie. And what it actually is is sort of this um, Burroughs-esque, uh, almost Lovecraftian um, sort of origin story of like a. He's like a Lovecraft Van Helsing in the making in the middle of the desert. It's a fucking great movie. You know why it's a great Plan X movie? It's a mess, and I would love it. Like, I like all of those things in the same movie. Maybe they don't hit everyone perfectly, Mm -hmm. but that's fucking exciting. Like, if someone told me that was a movie, I would be like, well, I'm buying that movie right now. Thank you. Well, that's good, too. So, So with the ghost thing... Do you want to do the thing where he saves Ashley at the end? And so there's some kind of like measure of success. Or do you want to have it where the second act is after Randy dies, Derek and Ashley, the other two remaining teens are also killed by the Mogollon beast. And so, and he's starting to see their ghosts in like weird hallucinatory states. And so when it ends, it's the ghosts are like, thanks for setting us free. I think I think I, I think you I think you make a choice. Uh, I think you decide one of two ways, and you tell me which one you lean towards, and then we'll make a decision. Um, okay. I think that there's sort of the more optimistic sets up a sequel ending, which is that at the end, Ashley or whoever survives, like she's working, answering the phone in his private detective's office like she's that's cool she's her confident well that's that's nice and i like it a lot um and like i gen i kind of like happy endings to movies so i was like oh that's nice but there i do kind of also like the idea of doing the movie and it's like no he doesn't save anybody but that does create this character that when they make the um the, the rest is done in the lower Tucson Metro rides again, then he's got this really great back backstory, you know, like, yeah, that's a, that's a good point, man. Um, so well, basically, I think, I think here's, here's a survivor what, or not. Basically, do you want, do you want him to be Roy Scheider at the end of Jaws? Like you, you want somebody to make it with him maybe. Yeah, no, I, I like somebody making it with him because like, I think, uh, yeah, I think in this era, to do the other one, well, I don't know. The other, hmm. I think in the era they would keep the teen hero alive. I think. I think in, I'm thinking of different films because I think they would have killed her. Well, I think the the whole like weird Coen Brothers, it's kind of a detective, a strange detective movie thing. Then I think you kill him. So that's that's interesting. Well, which way? Which way would you prefer? There's not a right or wrong. What 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 do you think suits the movie we've set up better? Because I think even though that I would personally stick the happy ending on, I think the better ending for the movie is that the teens do die, but he knows finally that it wasn't a drug trip, that it was real. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The whole movie the whole movie is based on uncertainty, right? It's sort of this Yeah. Life. People are definitely dying, but he's like is this what's real? What's fake? Is it the drugs? Oh, and then, well, that, that all I'm saying is that, that I think the resolution to the movie has to be not only is it real, but now you're involved in some shit, and you your confidant is the bartender, and there's no one else to support you. So now you gotta walk. You have to ride the lonely trail. 
basically. <laughs> so I think this is a case of killing our Buseys. I think what we need to do is I want to make one teeny tiny change at the top of the plot, and I think okay. it will make the end of the story make a ton of sense. Okay. They're all, all the teens are in the desert. They're doing the drugs and they see this monster and they see it drag Kirsten off. Okay. Now something is coming for them. Something's killing them. I'm with you. It's Kirsten. This thing that drug her off, like it turned her into a Mogollon beast. And so do we want to do that? Because then I was thinking at the end of the movie, the proof is he kills this thing and it reverts to Kirsty. Or Kirsten. And everyone's like, oh shit, it was real all along. Like, she was the murderer. She was the killer. No, I like the Mogollon Beast too much. Or the okay, Beast. here's the thing though. No, if okay, we, hold on, hold on. I want to back well, up. I want to back up. Well, no, now let me make a point. If we, in the movie where everyone finds out it's true that this Mogollon Beast exists, then it's like, well, then we're not really setting him up to be a... Right, a special supernatural detective character. So, but we don't have to do that. We can just be like... But what it was can just say, like a noir movie where he's like, this was the case and this is how it ended. And I don't but, mind doing that. At but all. what I'm saying is like the end of the case is, is not that he proves to the world that the Mogollon beast was real. It's that the curse of the Mogollon, that this girl like crossed the border. She became the Mogollon. Right. He's hunting her friends. Yes. He's, he thinks the whole time he's hunting a monster. It kills Derek. Oh, fuck. It kills Randy. Oh, shit. Bang, bang, bang. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. Nobody can see it but me. Ah, it kills Ashley. Oh, fuck. But in the last battle, bang, 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 bang. I use my rusty gun and it reverts to her. And his official filing is she went crazy and killed her friends. What can you do? Bunch of teens in the desert. Bunch of fucking drug heads out in the desert. She went lunatic. She, she crossed the line. So he, he wraps it up with the cops, like, and it plays with that uncertainty thing, like, yep, girl went crazy. Sorry, she's a fucking axe murderer. And, and the cops are like, we told you all those kids do is go out in the desert and fucking... They lose their minds. They lose their, their minds. minds. So he's like, he's like, I know I saw some shit. I can't talk to anybody about what I saw. Better go to the bar. Goes to the bar, looks to his right, sees a zombie, looks to his left, sees Cthulhu monster, and he's like... <laughs> Oh boy! Like, nope, you saw it all, bud. Like, <laughs> um, is there? Do we do the thing at the end where Charlie reveals himself to be somebody who's known that it's real the whole time? Oh yeah, I think no. But well, actually, no. You know what? Fuck that. I say yes because we do the Lost Boys ending where Charlie pours him a right. bourbon. Yeah. He looks to the right, sees the zombie. Looks to the left, sees horrible tentacle monster. The wallpaper's moving. He looks at Charlie, and Charlie's like. Da- damn uh, damn desert tentacle monster like, about damn time <laughs> or something yeah. like or whatever like yeah uh he's like he's like yeah that's I what see- i always loved about the lower tucson metro all the weirdos <laughs> yeah. they, they don't drink they just play darts you know something like that like you know just, yeah. just something da- Ooh, i like that. or no he's like yeah he's like easy gary they're paying customers <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah oh that's that's good because then we get out on a we get out on a little stinger. That's fun, and, that's, and it is it's a great opportunity to bring up my favorite final line of any movie ever, which is Lost Boys. There's Lost Boys. It, I'm not fucking favorite. be. That's better than fuck Casablanca. Like, and I love Casablanca. It's my top five favorite films of all time. Oh, but me too. Oh, I, I see. I always hated about Santa Clara. 
Oh, the damn vampires. Damn vampires. Oh, so good. It's a good movie, though, Drew. It's a good movie. I Do you want to... You know, you I, wanna, I like that. Do you, I like it a lot. Do you want to cast the teens or Charlie at least or because the teens kind of all get killed like a slasher film it really doesn't matter who they are I mean okay we can do this rapid fire like I think Mario Lopez is a candidate I think Christy Christy Swanson is a candidate Uh, oh I thought this was like late 80s early 90s okay Sure. (laughs) Who do you want to go get? (laughs) Oh no, I don't. I don't. I don't care because Nick Nolte can always be in this movie. Do you want like a young Joshua Jackson? Do you want like? (laughs) I don't fucking care. No, I don't. That's what I'm saying is I don't really care who the teens are. I kind of care who Charlie is. Charlie feels fun. Let's go cast Charlie. Um, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, so younger than younger bartender. I like that. I like that. I don't know. I just like I. I can see. I can see Kevin Bacon in like so, a so what we're like a sci-fi cocktails role. Nick Nick Nolte and Kevin Bacon made a supernatural southwestern drug movie involving Sand Bigfoot and LP. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you like that? I like it because it's so weird. I don't think it's perfect casting. I think it's perfect Planet X casting. Casting. Well, yeah, and you have that thing where, like, it, you know, everyone playing Six Degrees to Kevin Bacon is like, oh fuck, I gotta get, I gotta get Nick Nolte. I gotta get, okay, I gotta get, I gotta get Wesley Snipes to Kevin Bacon. Oh wait, Wesley Snipes is in Blade with Nick Nolte, who was in uh, fucking The Rustiest Gun in Lower Tucson with uh, with uh, Kevin Bacon. Done. Like Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal is in Blue Chips with Nick Nolte, who was in the the rustiest gun in the Lower Tucson metro area with Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon done. You can get Shaq there in two steps. That's wild. <laughs> it's uh, a good one. Like <laughs> that's pretty good. And then, like I said, um, uh, Calexico is from Tucson, so a little early for them to do the soundtrack, but I, I like it. I like it. Well, um, hey, I, I just want to say really quick. Yeah, you're somebody who is posting Mogollon Monster pictures and concept art on the internet. Step it the fuck up. What are you clowns yeah. doing? Most cryptid art is really shitty. No, there's some good shit out there. Like some, like you, you yeah, fucking look at Mothman or like. Yeah, but a lot of the modern stuff is not as good. I brought, I bought uh, Darren uh, Nash's or Nash's book, the guy who does tetrapod zoology, and like was just sort of like, um, this is kind of disappointing. Um, Okay, but what I've done, Drew, is I have sent you a link to a song that I think um, is perfect for this film. So I'm listening to Paradise by Meat Puppets. And the refrain of the song is, this is paradise, which gives it that nice, dark irony. Dude, this is fucking perfect. Yeah, is that not great? Did you slice a little of it in? I think you probably sliced a little bit of that in. You know I did. I think you did. (laughs) All right. 
Well, dude, I think that puts a bow on the rustiest gun in the lower Tucson metro. Man, I am. Is there anything else to add to that one? I feel like we crammed as much as we could into it. (laughs) As soon as you said it, I was like, are we going to make the fucking apple dumpling gang? And we ended up with the opposite of the apple dumpling gang. It feels good, dude. We got like naked lunch meets nightmare on Elm Street meets like a coen brothers detective story like black rain or something i don't know this is fucking great like it it definitely has three acts they're not super fleshed out but i really want to see that movie god like mm, that's the first one in a long time where i was like i really want to see this fucking movie like i really want to see that movie yeah no it feels really good man i like i like cryptids in arizona i like uh like a hard-boiled detective story that takes place in the american southwest uh i love it i love it we got we got teenagers getting cut off we got nick nolte as a as a gumshoe like this feels great (laughs) we got drug hallucinations and and trust me everyone is going to believe that nick nolte is someone that was like maybe i should do more acid to figure this out Maybe the solution is harder living. Yeah. Wait a minute. How- <laughs> guy's got a great look, though, man. He looks so fucking cool. I love Nick Nolte so much. He's he's, he's great, dude. He is. He is. I'm of, waiting. I'm of- Kurt, Kurt, I, You know, I, I'm waiting for his return to the spotlight. Years ago, there was a there was an article on a, a website where they were like, "What action movie needs to? What action movie star needs to come back?" Mm-hmm. And and I very successfully, to my credit, argued Kurt Russell. And he's tried. He's really tried. He's he's put out a couple flicks, like a couple westerns and stuff. Um, he was in Guardians of the Galaxy too. But like, man, Nick Nolte, come back, come back, bud, come back and do like a super cool movie. I have only done that with one actor, and it was um, a few years ago. I started saying that they needed to bring Michael Keaton back. Oh sure. And and, and then he did Birdman, and he did that. Oh, what's that journalism movie that he did? Um, it's very good. I watched it the other night. Spotlight, is that the name of it? I'm sure I got that wrong. But, like, now they're starting to put my... And then he obviously he did Spider-Man Homecoming and stuff, and people were like, oh, yeah, like, Michael Keaton is fucking great. He, Dude, like, nobody, he, nobody he else... the highlight of that Spider-Man movie to me. Do what? I, he was the highlight of that Spider-Man movie. Oh, no, he, he absolutely... The- and he was by far... I don't want to go down a hole with this, but I think it's pretty common criticism of superhero movies is that the villains just aren't great. Um, yep. And he was he was a great villain, first of all, because they didn't put the anti-Spider-Man in a Spider-Man film for once, mm-hmm. which was great. Uh, they didn't put, like, somebody else that was, like, marred by science and so you know um but yeah he was just like a he was like an angry baby boomer it was great he was he was was, but he was a real character and you bought him as a family man like it was oh yeah well and let me say let me say something about this too michael keaton's a good actor because and i swear to god i mean this as a compliment he knows how to chew chew scenery oh yeah no that's that's why I wanted him to come back because I said, there's really, I don't see enough movies where a guy goes like, if you're going to give me a part, I'm going to make a part out of it and do it in a way that doesn't bring, that actually elevates the movie. You totally know, the, right. like the way that he played Bruce Wayne is like this weird, like he seemed like he was always chewing gum, but he was never chewing gum. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, I wish him all the luck in the world. I really do. And I, and congratulations on your amazing career, Mr. Keaton. You would have made a hell of a B-movie actor. Like, 
Oh, that, guy, that guy can step into a little role and just start eating scenery. Like, and I love it. I love every moment he's on camera. Like, he's great. And to me, he was the highlight of Homecoming because every scene I was like, well, this character's very interesting. Like, yeah, no, I like no, his he, whole thing. <laughs> he, was, he was great. And that, that, I remember hearing, like, Michael Keaton's going to play the Vulture. And I like Spider-Man comics growing up, or at least the characters. And I was like, okay, Marvel. What are you Hi. doing? What's your play, Marvel? Like, because all of all of your villains suck ass. And then sure enough, like the Michael Keaton, baby. And it's I, I give the credit to Michael Keaton, but you know, what do I know? Anyway, that that is a very great I'm very proud of the film that we put together. There. That's a tidy little Planet X movie. Uh Danny Edwards, thank you so much for that submission, man. Thanks again, Danny. And we've been getting new submissions, which is great. And we're always looking for more submissions. So if you have a crazy idea for a movie title, you can always go to planetxcinema.com and hit submit and send us your suggestions that way. As many as you want. You can also email us at planetxcinema.com. And like we said at the top of the show, if you will go on iTunes and you will leave us a review and in that review, uh, drop a movie title. We will at least lightning round it in the show. If you want, if you want to even just challenge us and with the worst thing you can think of, go give us a review. Like we want the reviews. You want the good episodes. It, it's a win-win. Nobody's losing there. Yeah, another win-win is uh, Thursday, November 30th. We are having our next live screening. Uh, it's Time Cop at Kunstler Brewery in San Antonio, Texas. So if you're down in the San Antonio area and you want to come check out JCVD's classic Time Cop, do it. It's totally free. You don't have to pay a dime. Uh, so come check it out, and, uh, and, and we'll definitely be there. Um, Drew, are we going to have a Time Cop podcast or not? We are. Uh, we recorded a special podcast. We're still kind of playing around with the format of these, um, but we want to kind of include everybody who listens to the podcast on the live screenings, whether or not you can make it out. Um, so we spent some time just talking about Time Cop and why we like it and why we chose it and some of our favorite scenes and kind of dunking on some of the parts that don't work. So um, we will be releasing that as a special episode prior to the screening. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you like it, let us know. If you have any feedback, let us know as well. We'd like to do more episodes where we talk about what we're actually showing and why we're showing it. Um, we won't stop doing this format. So uh, right. in, a, in addition, in addition to regular, our regular episode. Yeah, that's right. So, so do please continue to send us your hypothetical movie title suggestions because the core of the podcast remains us taking your uh, terrible, terrible movie ideas and turning them into terrible, uh, terrible, terrible movies. movies. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It's just, <laughs> Bad in, bad out. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we will be posting that. And, and let us know what you think about that. And if you guys want to be a part of that conversation, we, we would love to encourage that. So um, just just let us know what you think. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep posting those. Yeah. And let us know what you thought of the rustiest gun in the lower Tucson metro. And uh, so I don't know. You want to do some housekeeping and get out of here, buddy? Yeah. I'd like to thank uh, Brian Ahrens for our uh, introduction. Uh, you can find him at brianahrensvo.com. I would like to thank the band Pinko for use of their song Oedipus Sex as our theme song. And uh, it is off of their self-titled album. And you can uh, get that on uh, Bandcamp along with some of the uh, their other music. Um, anything else? I'm good, man. Do you have anything else? I'm, I'm pretty good other than uh, just asking you who the hell you are. Uh, I am Drew Hicks. Uh, I remain Blair Hicks. And the search for Planet X continues. <laughs> it's the movie that monster. No! It's the
Yeah, dude, this thing stinks like shit. <laughs>